Oof. Okay. Hey, that was a really good episode, guys. I think that was fantastic. I'm really glad that we took time to do uh, Persona 5. And Terrell, thanks for taking the lead on that. Um, so do we want to record next week? Does that work for you guys next week? Like, yeah, yeah, Or maybe the first week of July? Is that good? Sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Hey, oh, I almost forgot. I almost forgot. I brought some beers and I brought uh, a pretzel. Uh, you know, I'm going to Germany, so I just thought it'd be kind of cool. Like, you know, pretzels are so good. You just got, oh, mmm, it's delicious. Uh, oh my god where's that coming from um oh my god kyle behind you there's a portal kyle get away kyle move out of the way go go go, go. hey hey warum hey ich rede was was ist was passiert Dick, hold on Dick, no Dick, Dick. hallo bitte Hallo, hallo, ist jemand da? <coughs> hallo? Oh, thank God. Oh, oh my God. Oh, what happened? Hey, uh, Kyle, Terrell, are you there? Yeah. Yeah, what's up, man? Derek, that's yeah? you? Yeah. Yo. Hey, uh, geez, like, what in the world happened? Like, where am I? Why am I, like, I don't even recognize everything around me just looks different, and it's, like, I'm not in the studio with you guys, and what, is it still 2018? I mean, yeah, kinda. I mean, you just be, you've been in Germany for, like, three months. It's, like, July, though, right? It's, like, we still have, like, a good summer ahead of us, and we can still do, like, a lot of episodes, right? Nah, dog. It's December. <laughs> Like, I turn in grades tomorrow. No! Yeah, like, you spent the whole fall semester in Germany just, like, hanging out. I'm not, I don't really know what you do there. And we've just been here in Nashville I don't just even, working. I don't remember any of that. I just can't, I can't recall a minute of it. Well, how, hey, I got an idea. How about if we just do a what's in your system like nothing ever happened? I think that's a great idea, Derek. Good. Okay, cool. Uh, well, so, uh. I'm game. Terrell? Thoughts? I'm game. Let's, uh, yeah, good. Cool, cool. Let's get done. Well, uh, anyway, welcome to all the listeners to uh, What's in Your System. It's a podcast where the, the three scholars at play get together and chat about whatever we're playing, reading, thinking, writing, or talking about in relation to games and other stuff, too. And hello. And every hello, episode and, uh, well, starts we're, just we're back. as normally as this one. Yeah, exactly. Just like a real, just having a normal one. How's it going? How's it going, Terrell? You know. I feel like I didn't go through a transpatial warp like you did, Derek. Uh, yet yeah, somehow yeah. time has has really flew by. Uh, I don't yeah, know how it's I the end that. of the fall semester, but it, I'm here. Uh, I survived. I'm alive. I have yeah. a pulse. I could go to a doctor and that's get a great. pulse taken. Uh, <laughs> and I got some games I can talk about. Oh, that's good. All right, Kyle, how you doing? I'm doing great. You know, just keeping on. Uh, in in America, <laughs> so a little more lukewarm I've, I've, there. But I lived like, in America in 2018, so that was a thing. And uh, yeah, it's That's things been thing, going man. pretty well. Yeah, yeah. I miss you a lot. Well, I think about I miss you, a you lot, guys too. Like at night. Okay, like so. I know everyone loved that sketch, and it was really good. But uh, <laughs> the truth is, I've just been in Germany doing. A, I'm doing a research here abroad, so we haven't managed to find the time to chat. But we finally got a little bit of time, and we figured we would just kind of. 
throw something together, chat a little bit, and throw something up on the feed. And you know, we'll, we're gonna we're gonna try and try and make some more stuff happen in the new year. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I guess I'm trying to remember how we do this. I guess someone <laughs> asks someone else what's in so, their system. Someone right? starts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, does anyone want to start? <laughs> hey, Derek. Who's 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 got a burning? Qu- oh, okay. <laughs> yes, what, Kyle. What's in, what's in your system? Oh man, I'm so glad you asked. Um, <laughs> how fucking wild would it be if I just said I was still playing PUBG? That'd be wild pretty wild be? and not surprising. <laughs> I think it would be both wild, but I also think that everybody at this point just assumes you're doing it, even if you don't just tell like- us. I don't even need to. It's not like even you've mental. become an I, unreliable is, narrator as to your status as whether you're playing <laughs> PUBG or not. Or what? I mean, also my like status in the universe is like like where I am in time and space is uncertain at this point. So mm. um, I'm I'm scrolling through my Steam library. I'm trying to find where is Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. There it is. Last played. Oh, this is now. This is interesting for the fiction we've started to create. Seventeenth of July, eighteenth, sometime around my disappearance. Yeah, like somewhere around the time when the the events of the intro happened. So and what you're saying is, is that PUBG is like the link to like space America. travel, or like yeah. time travel. I, yeah, it's the it's the it's the. Well, I I have certainly felt the slippage of time while playing it. So uh, I don't think that's entirely incorrect. I have not actually been playing PUBG. I've been playing a ton of other stuff. Um, I Over the summer, I played Soma, and I wrote a blog post about that. You should go read it if you haven't. It's called Soma. And where and would they questions. find that? They would find that at scholarsatplay.net, of course, oh, naturally. Sense, yeah. um, check check the blog. Uh, I also I like... I was kind of busy over the summer, but I did delve into No Man's Sky, which was really fun. Uh, touched, finally got back to Hitman uh, right around when I went to Gamescom because I was like, "Oh man, Hitman was good, and Hitman Two is here, and I didn't get to play it, so I'm gonna go home and play Hitman." So I did that. Um, playing stuff for research, I played Hollow Knight. Terrell, I think you got into Hollow Knight, right? Yeah, I got into it a little bit. A little bit, yeah. Um, I yeah, I was definitely in that for a while. Um, Played some Dead Cells, played a ton of Slay the Spire, which I actually kind of forgot about. That was my other time travel game <laughs> that I've been playing recently. Uh, but I, I, I've been I've been recently out of that. But actually, like what's in my system right now um, is a little game called Heat Signature, which uh, I'm playing like, Heat Signature too. I, I know this because you helped me get one of the achievements I'm missing <laughs> of a friend of finding a friend's character. You're um, welcome. So. Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate that. So I've been playing. I've been playing Heat Signature, but not like um, not the way. Certainly, nothing like the way that I've been playing. That I played. Although I'm going to actually play the snow map in PUBG pretty soon, so it's going to be present tense verbs again. Um, uh, not like not the way I play PUBG. I, I, I've been sort of playing Heat Signature. Had a, an update in the middle of summer, and it added like a daily challenge. Which uh, is sort of tweaks the rules of the game. If you're not super familiar with Heat Signature, you sort of fly in this tiny little breacher pod and you sort of hijack and steal from and capture people from spaceships that are flying around the galaxy. And it's this really cool kind of um, systems-driven game, sort of top-down perspective. It's got some great music. um, And you just kind of, yeah, you just kind of like steal stuff and slowly accomplish a a personal mission that you have that each character has. And you you go through a lot of different characters as the game goes on. And the the daily challenge just tweaks that a little bit by giving you just three missions and like a set kit. It's like a randomized but uh, set kit that you begin with. Like one pretty good weapon, one excellent weapon, one kind of like common uh, normal weapon. 
and you sort of have to make your way through these progressively harder uh, missions. And it's it's like much smaller. It's like a smaller dose of the game. It's about twenty. I mean, like you know, once you start playing for a while, it's like maybe twenty minutes. But it's really it really like focuses in on everything that's really cool about that game. Is like making use of your limited resources, trying to just barely accomplish a certain kind of goal with a certain condition. So, for example, you may not maybe you're not allowed to be seen, or maybe you. I uh, have to avoid triggering alarms or anything like that. And um, and just sort of turns that longer experience into a sort of kind of bite-sized thing that I've definitely, like, I've played it every day for quite a few days. Hmm. I mean, not not very long each day, but um, but it's been kind of like a regular thing that I came to. Um, I, I put a couple videos up on my own personal YouTube channel um, and made some other, like, I kind of ended up, for a while I was kind of creating these my own custom challenges, and I did, like, a few custom challenges that were that I saw online. But I haven't done that very much recently. But but that game is definitely like still very much in my system. Kyle, I'm really curious. Um, how do you find Heat Signature? Yeah, the th- the thing that was a great description. The thing that I like about it too is that it's oh, kind thanks. of has some uh, roguelike elements to it, right? Because For sure. Yeah. You have characters, but like your characters are kind of disposable. Like you, can, you they have limited like life. Like every time you like die, you lose seconds off of your oxygen when you get thrown into space. And um, right. That can only happen to you, like, five times or so, unless you have, like, a variety of, like, you know, other things to help you with, like, to, like, help heal you or whatever. Um, so, like, your characters are kind of meant to be disposable. And also, once you start, um, like, succeeding a lot, you get, like, notoriety, you can, like, liberate bases, and that kind of forms your, like, game progress. Because liberating bases allows you access to, like, better weapons and stuff. And so... Um, right. But there, there's, like, built-in... Um, kind of drawbacks to that which is the more notor like the more notoriety your character gets the less like liberation they inspire so like if you get like a really mm-hmm. sick character who has like all armor piercing weapons like all the best right. stuff who's like just killing everyone left and right soon he's you're like you're not able to like promote liberation anymore because like i mean it's a game mechanic but i guess the the, the narrative yeah. is that like you know you're kind of seen as like famous or infamous enough already that it's not that inspiring right um, exactly but yeah, once I kind of figured out that mechanic of, like, uh, getting liberation as, like, kind of my goal. Yeah. Because um, initially, like, you know, you, you I could only really do, like, easy and medium missions. Because I'm like, how do you even get an armor-piercing sword? Like, armor, armored guards are just invincible. I, like, figured out some kind right. of tricks to kill them. <laughs> like, I would swap with yes, them. Yes. And then, like, blow out a, a uh-huh. window and they'd go out the window. But, like, yes. some of the hard missions have, like, 12 dudes in armor. And I'm like, okay, fine. And then, and then I realized that eventually <laughs> I can't blow literally everyone out the window. Yeah, I tried a lot. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. And then like once you kind of find out that you have to liberate strategically certain bases that some like get you armor piercing guns, armor piercing swords, stuff like that. Right. I think it's that I. I think it's those those systems like those things where you like presented with a challenge. You're like, how the hell am I supposed to do this? I literally cannot do it. And you sit there and think how you can use your like swapper and your like loud gun to like even yeah. accomplish anything. And then like you like so often you end up out in space because you got shot <laughs> and they threw you out the airlock. <laughs> yeah. But like sometimes they end up uh, shot out the window quite often, or like you know uh, sucked out into space because you blew up a room. Uh, as they as they were all coming towards your your gunshot, you know, because you attracted them with the gunshot, and then you 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 got rid of all of them. So yeah, I I it it definitely falls in line with the kinds of games that I I know I really like that are sort of like 
that where the systems interact in interesting ways, like all, all the sorts of stuff that we said about Breath of the Wild and that people say about any any kind of systems driven games where you sort of end up end up with these really cool stories. And I, that's what I that's why I liked making videos about the game because um, they were really cool records of these sort of little experiences that I would have on these on these daily challenges where it's like, I cannot believe that happened. And like <laughs> describing it is like so much easier when you can like show someone it. So, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's a really slick game, really well designed. Um, I do also just enjoy like I like the systems driven stuff of like you're, you have swappers, you have like teleporters that then teleport you back. You have like a teleporter that can teleport you somewhere uh, only if like the pathway is open, it's like a really interesting combos you right. can pull. I also just like equipping two long swords and just like marking everyone on a ship. <laughs> yes, <laughs> because you have uh, there's, that shit rules. <laughs> it's great. We didn't mention there's like yeah. you basically control time because you can pause the game whenever you want. Right. Similar to like you know a game like FTL or something where you can. Uh, right. pause and kind of decide on what you want to do so you can like come in with two long swords kill two people pause throw a long sword at a guy mm -hmm. pick up that guy's gun shoot the other guy with it swap with a fifth guy who then gets shot by a sixth guy who is shooting you and then like kill the last guy right. with your long sword that's now recharged and then like so in the space of two seconds you like did some you know max pain type shit and just like murked everyone so and you're just standing so there in the midst of six dead people it's great yeah it's so badass Terrell. So is this game an action, like, RPG game, or is it more, like, um, turn-based, or, like, what? Give me the general genre yeah. of this game. It is, it's an action game, I think. Um, it's not it, turn-based. It is, like, like top-down, it should be said, like, top-down yeah. 16-bit graphic game. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, uh, okay. like, it's definitely, like, 2D kind of aesthetic, but, like, top-down. Um, it's surprisingly detailed. I actually, I forgot that I did this, that I turned on like, um, like, like visibility aid mode, like where, so it, it puts like, basically like some of the designs of the, the normal designs of the ships, they're really cool, but the game is a little hard to see sometimes because you're constantly zooming in and out to see more of the ship and then zooming back into like actually shoot people, um, or like, you know, make sure that you're visible or not visible behind something. So um, I turned on like high visibility mode um, uh, pretty early on in the game. Um, but yeah, it's it's sort of like I would I would call it an action game. How would you describe it, Kyle? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess I would say an action game. It's not, and I guess, and it is an RPG. It's not like a first person thing, which like <laughs> I realized we never no. fully. No, right, it is, right. You know, yeah, like, it's definitely not that. Like. The graphics are, like, I, I related a lot to FTL. Like, the gameplay is not like FTL mm -hmm. at all. But, like, the graphics very right. much are, like, you see a ship with rooms and you're, like, a little guy. But, like, it is more like you're controlling one character. Um, mm -hmm. I, I, I would call it, yeah, like a roguelike, top-down um, RPG. Yeah, action RPG. Because it yeah. is RPG, right? Because like, you... It looks like Hotline are, Miami like and... Just looking at yes, some screenshots. Hotline of it Miami now. visually is like precisely the right way. In fact, also the, all the sword throwing and wrench throwing that you have in Hotline Miami—that's actually a great uh, point of reference. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I I would recommend it. And like it's it's yeah. really it's wonderful because it's very simple in certain ways. Like you don't have uh you know like a bunch you, you don't have stats for your character. You just have your character. They might have a few traits that was in the new update. But they just have the equipment that they have and, and uh, any sort of, you know, traits they might have. So um, all of the elements themselves are quite simple, but when they combine, that's where it gets complex. And I think that's what makes it both really 
it's like it can be a really chill game if you once you get to a certain level with it or if you just play like easier missions where it's just like I know I, I can pause any time I can just like you know take my time with it and like zoom in and zoom out and move around the ship and like plan my route and like think about how I'm going to use all the items that I have and then execute and you can always stop in the middle you will get in those situations where like no 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 pause 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 and like the guy has already <laughs> shot the bullet and you're just like sitting there looking at a picture of your character about to get shot and you're just like well, I can't do anything anymore, <laughs> so I guess I'll just unpause and die. <laughs> but um, but there's often you often um, if you're in that situation, uh, you definitely it, it's because you you know uh, you moved hastily or or you just didn't uh, think about how certain things might happen or because some random like a gun got bounced off the wall from someone dying and then that shot hit the explosive barrel in the middle of the room and you were like. Um, why am I in space now? And <laughs> and sometimes you can't even re- like figure out like why did that happen? But off like most of the time you you can see where the where the mistakes were made. Yeah, it's a fun game. I think really really slickly designed. And the the guy the creator whose name I cannot recall is like pretty Tom deep Francis. in Tom Francis. He, it seems he's like pretty like deep yeah. in the community and like kind of like you know ready to engage with people and um, yeah start new things with them. So I, I think it's great. Do, I mean I totally the only reason i came back I, this game is like a couple years old the only reason i came back to it was because i for some reason i think i saw someone retweet a video of him doing him doing like a let's play of his own daily challenge for his own game and i was like mm. this is really cool like this is awesome yeah. um and that's sort of what got me back into into playing it and then i was like whoa this is like a this kind of changes the game so to speak yeah whoa <laughs> Anyway, that's kind of what I've been what I've been doing. I have also been playing um, Katamari Damacy on on the Switch, which is just a ton of fun. Um, did you guys ever play Katamari uh, on like so, PS2 or like? Way I never back, played it past? then, um, but I knew that it was sort of a big thing. Uh, Melanie had heard it. My girlfriend heard about it on um, one of the podcasts she listens to. Um, we'd stopped um, overnight on the way driving through Virginia, and I asked her, "Do you want to take a look at the game?" She was like, "Yeah, sure." And she was just so weirded out at how like trippy <laughs> <laughs> all over the place it is. It is so bizarre. It is such a wonderful, weird uh, uh, game. Kyle, do you know what Katamari is? Yeah, that's the one where you're like a monkey with a giant ball or something, right? <laughs> it's it's like so it does look that. like a monkey. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I Terrell, think I kind of nailed it. Why don't it? you like describe it? <laughs> so. There's describing the story, and then there's describing the, like, major loop of gameplay. Uh, you're some type of weird creature that kind of has, like, an, a sort of cylindrical but three-dimensional, like, kind of head of sorts. Uh, but the major yeah. thing that you're doing in the game is there's this ball, or, you know, you get different size balls for depending on what the level is. Uh, and you're rolling the ball through... Uh, sometimes a room, sometimes just the street, and you're picking things up. The goal is to pick up as many things as possible so that the ball gets mm-hmm. bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So the thing that I never, because I guess this is, the, this is the thing that always kind of kept me from like just diving into the game, was I never realized what the point was. Do you just kind of collect stuff? Is it just supposed to be like that? But apparently yeah. the major trick is, is that there are things that you have to kind of avoid or else they'll... Um, hit your ball and make you lose some things. So in some ways right. it's almost kind of like 
Sonic of that like, like control your momentum and control your speed so that you don't yeah. hit things and and lose um, all your stuff. Uh, the other thing is that apparently collecting certain things. So for example, if your ball is say the size of a soccer ball, and so that means you can pick up like something like clothespins or um, little push pins that you would like use to hold up a poster fairly easily, or like a toy cow. All that just kind of like rolls onto the ball. But if you pick up something that's say the size of uh, one of those kind of, <laughs> I want to call them a miniature clarinet, but they're, they're they're technically called a recorder. Like I think most <laughs> of us have ever yeah. had, yeah, like general music, that little thing that looks like a clarinet that you play when you're trying to learn to do something uh, or learn to like yeah. learn how music works. Uh, if you pick that up and your ball is the size of a soccer ball, it makes for the ball to like roll a little bit lopsided. Right. So that like, yeah. just think about like a soccer ball with a recorder attached to it and how well that could roll. Not very well at all. So then exactly. there's a sort of strategy to the types of things that you pick up. And then eventually maybe your ball gets to the size of, say, um, like one of those. I don't even think that'd be big enough. I'm thinking like one of those bouncy balls, like not the not like a basketball or anything like that. But those like a sort yoga of big, ball. Like yeah, like, like a yoga ball. ball. I would say like something like that might be able to pick up a recorder, but even then it might be a little right. lopsided. But like the bigger the ball gets, obviously it can start picking up bigger and bigger objects. So there's a kind of strategy right. to how you have to go about uh, sort of picking some things up. One thing that I would maybe throw in, um, I don't know, Derek, if you had heard about this, but this came out years later. Um, I actually want to say it may even came out in the last two years, but the creator of the game, whose name escapes me at the moment, basically mm -hmm. said that the game is a commentary on consumerism and capitalism huh. that you're just sort of acquiring a bunch of things keita takahashi i think is his name yeah keita takahashi so. that's his name i think yeah that's interesting mm -hmm. uh i like that read i i have to be honest like i think i think that's a, that, like also like the perfect summary of the game uh, my experience has been though i probably could or should be a little more um, strategic about it, but really, what I kind of like to do is just kind of run around and knock things over and pick things up. Um, it's <laughs> it's, it's really like it's it's almost for me. It's like kind of pure feel. And like the the other challenge that is yeah. that happens is like when you hit those bigger things, they sometimes knock stuff off of your katamari. So um, that can you know that can sort of set you back in progress, and you, you have this time limit. You've got to get to a certain size for most of the levels, so or else your your sky dad will yell at you. Um, you're 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 king of all the universe. It's a really fantastic character. Everybody um, just has to go look at a trailer of the game to really get what's going yes. on, because nothing that we're gonna say is gonna make anything click. Yeah, I'm more confused <laughs> than when we started. That. That that actually makes me happy because I was afraid we were making it too understandable. Because I think honestly, <laughs> that is a disservice to the game. You rendered Katamari so, too legible, and you really want to bring back yeah. that illeg illegibility. So exactly, quick, yeah, exactly. Quick jabish side note: um, I gotta make <laughs> I gotta make sure I don't make someone too mad when I say this, but there yeah. was an article in the Guardian that. Um, sort of coined or didn't really coin but sort of tried to invoke that we're entering a new age of quote-unquote afro surrealism and it's putting all these things mm -hmm. like get out and sorry to bother you get out maybe surreal sorry to bother you i kind of don't think so but it was also saying like beyonce's surreal and i'm like mm -hmm. <laughs> like everything <laughs> is surrealism now um yep. and black surrealism at that uh and yeah. it's just funny because then i started playing this game and I was like, yeah, this is surrealism, y'all. <laughs> like, take, like, it's just like, maybe I'm adding fuel to the fire, but like, if y'all really want to understand surrealism, play this video game. <laughs> <laughs> Put the fuel, throw another log on, Terrell. That's good. 
let's keep it burning. Cool. Yeah, that, that's what I've been playing. But um, and the, then the most recent thing, and at this point, I wanna I wanna flip it. The most recent thing I've been I've been sort of putting hands on was Smash Smash Brothers Super Smash Brothers Ultimate is the full title, but I think Terrell. Has Come on in Smash, but welcome to the <laughs> Smash. <laughs> yeah, cl- that classic song, Terrell. Uh, what's in your system? <laughs> I've already sort of prompted you, but what else? You know, what's in your system? Including uh, Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, yeah. So Smash is definitely in the system right now. Um, it's funny because I'm I'm sitting in my parents' basement, uh, which effectually becomes my room whenever I'm home for the holidays or uh, sorts, and kind of have my my um, my PC desktop set up, and that's where I'm kind of doing the whole recording apparatus. But right next to it is actually the Switch. Um, it's turned off and it's plugged into the television, but I want to actually, you know, I, it's rare that when you're actually mm-hmm. having a what's in your system, you're right next to your system and you can look in to see what's actually <laughs> in it. And sure enough, it is Super Smash right. Brothers Ultimate. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, Super Smash Brothers is definitely what's in my system as of now. Um, but I have been playing a few other things mm-hmm. in the past, like, what was it, I guess almost seven months since we last sort of were together and recording. Um, <laughs> the major thing that has definitely been kind of my mainstay is just kind of messing around with the switch and doing uh, a bunch of different things with it. The switch I still think is, I, I get a lot more play out of it than I, than I was before. I know, you know, when I first had it for that first year, uh, I was sort of lending it to you and Kyle, Derek mm-hmm. and Kyle, just um, <laughs> outrageously. Yeah, but now I'm kind of getting... I definitely had it for longer than you did for a certain yeah, period. Same, same. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I had other things going on, and honestly, at that point, my, my game of the year being um, uh, Horizon, that kept me so busy that I didn't really miss it all that much. But um, So I've been playing around with the Switch, doing a bunch of different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I had to clock the, the amount of hours that I put into something over the past few months, sadly, or maybe happily, it would probably be Tetris that I spent the most time in, because I can hop into it easily, spend 20 minutes hop out and then get back to whatever it was I was doing. It's just like really conducive in that way. Um, yeah. Whereas there have been some games that I have bought, spent the time to download to the PS4 and literally not <laughs> played a single minute of uh, the <laughs> yep, major culprit there would be uh red dead redemption. It just, yep. um, Oh shit. Yeah. So the thing that, you know, really kind of pushed me off of that was just hearing everybody say, like, look, it's actually a really story-based game. It's not, well, it's story-based in ways that inflect the gameplay and stories mm-hmm. about people walking into a store too fast and getting shot. Like, how you're literally, like, comporting your character to fit this particular role during a specific, you know, amount of time or specific period of time. And, like, that sounds great. I, uh-uh, just, yeah. <laughs> That's uh, that sounds like a four hour commitment just to get involved and deep into the mechanics and exactly uh, a, a dissertation must be written among other things. So <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've been trying to keep my my gaming down to um, things that I can sort of pick up and put down, which is why the Switch has been great. There have been a few other things that haven't been on the Switch that I've played. So I, I really got into um, the Forsaken uh, DLC or expansion or whatever we're gonna call it for Destiny Two. Uh, specifically, yeah. I was really into the PvPVE mode, um, hmm. the Gambit mode, which is really cool. It's oh, sort yeah. of like player versus enemy, but in separate sort of spaces. And there's ways that which you can go into your um, opponent's space and sort of take them out and take some of their 
points that keeps them from kind of finishing the game. And so that's that's actually been a lot of fun and I've enjoyed that. Uh, I also started playing Spider-Man and got a good few hours into it. Not super far, but loving the way that it's a, a great um, sort of superhero sandbox game with a decent story with a character that a lot of people are pretty pretty close and sort of near and dear to their hearts someone who kind of kicked off the superhero franchise so having a lot of fun with that and looking forward to over the break getting some more time into that um i started playing the spyro uh re-release which was fun oh i forgot about that yeah 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 i would say it's actually a better re-release than the crash bandicoot re-release that came out um last year that's good because i heard that that was kind of bad actually squirrely yeah little raunchy from, from place to place um also, I think that, you know, Crash Bandicoot being an early PlayStation launch, uh, it's far more touchy and, like, trying to get the 3D platformer thing right than Spyro, yeah. who just had all that sort of time to sort of look at everybody's, look what everybody was doing and sort of benefit from that. You know, it's kind of interesting right. the way that uh, 3D platforming at that era, or 3D gaming in that era, is very much like tech, where somebody might develop 45% of the information needed to build a piece of technology. Somebody else might then build 15%. And then that's, so that's 60% of it done. Somebody else comes through for 30%. Another person comes and does 77%. And then one last person looks at everything everybody's done, but has like 3% of an idea, but then gets the patent. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. (laughs) So it's interesting to look at the games of the past to see how that sort of functions. Um, Yeah, for sure. So that's just like a kind of very quick sprawling, um, sort of touch of things that I've done. One other thing I'll just mention really quickly is uh, I played the game Firewatch uh, as... Oh, good. Yeah, I played that for um, Professor Clayton um, because he was was traveling on the Wednesday before the Thanksgiving break, so he asked me to kind of sub in for him, and we were figuring out a game that we could play or a game that his class could sort of review or discuss that day, and we decided on Firewatch. Lots of thoughts on it. Um, I don't know if either of you have played it, uh, really yes. weird ish game. I have not. Um, it's kind of in the the spirit of Gone Home, if that makes sense. Uh, mm. I don't think it works as well personally, but um, hmm. that deserves, I think, attention for perhaps another episode or another. For sure, what's in your yeah. system? Uh, yeah. So for sure. specifically, something I want to talk about uh, today, or I want to talk about two things that I think are somewhat related. Uh, the first being uh, the Castlevania. Netflix series, which had mm-hmm. its second season drop in the middle of October. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the series is really, really good. I really enjoyed the first season, and the second season, despite some occasional slow parts, uh, really, really enthralling. Does some really great work. I think it's both a great kind of action, you know, watching some great sort of anime or animation style um, fight scenes between a bunch of characters, uh, but also I think there's some kind of very interesting moving parts and the characters are decently are enthralling like it's, it's something that i'm looking cool. forward to seeing what they do in later seasons but the thing that um sort of captured my attention about it and that the second season really sort of um cashed in on was that it's an interesting it's interesting the way that the the netflix series puts two characters kind of side by side in interesting ways uh the, the those characters being trevor belmont uh, and Alucard. Alucard is, um, his full name is, I can't remember his middle name, but Adrian Tepesh, and he's Dracula's son. Dracula mm-hmm. had a um, child with a woman by the name of Lisa. Um, 
And in that sort of marriage or that relationship, he taught her a bunch of sort of things that were kind of like medicine and ways to heal people, sort of what they call old world knowledge. Uh, and the people of the town where she was burned her for being a witch. So they associated her with the devil, so on and so forth. I mean, she was associated with a vampire and one of the most powerful ones, but that being beside the point. Um, that's sort of that. that <laughs> they burned her for being a witch. And like, oh, maybe she kind of was a witch like a little bit. <laughs> like low-key, but whatever. Um, so... That kind of the the series sort of paints that as Dracula's sort of motivation for wanting to like destroy all of humanity, um, and it's interesting because then there's his son who, being half human but also having love for his mother, so on and so forth, realizes that this isn't what she wants. So that sort of sets up the kind of Oedipal relationship between Alucard and his ah, father okay. as to why he wants to sort of take him down. Now, what's interesting about that is Alucard um, the classic game for the playstation interesting i'm coming back to the playstation now um symphony of the night uh that was alucard's sort of debut i want to say um i think he may have appeared in an earlier super nintendo game but that was the game where character or players played with him for the vast majority of the game like symphony of the night mm-hmm. is alucard's game um and that sort of does a number of things it's a big switch in the castlevania genre in terms of what type of game it was but it also sort of begins along with super metroid the idea of the metroidvania right so and instead of it just sort of being a typical platformer now you're collecting different weapons you're leveling up over time so killing enemies gives you experience points um and you pick up abilities throughout the map or throughout the game that then help you one dispatch enemies in different ways but also um also gives you the ability to reach different parts of the map. So eventually you gain the ability to turn to a wolf and the wolf can run really fast and you know that has an extended sort of jump. So there are parts of the map where you can do that. Then there are other parts where uh, you can turn to a bat and then you can fly. So there's all types of aerial places that you can sort of get into the map. So it's weird that, mm-hmm. the, that or it's interesting that that sort of marks a point in the game where um, you also have things like magic and weapons and different sort of that. So you sort of map out and sort of pick the kind of uh, strategy that you want to go into the game with and how it is that you want to take out these enemies. And so that's really fun. And it's much di- more. It's much different than what Castlevania used to be, which was here's a member of the Belmont family. They have their Belmont family whip. Eventually, you discover their Belmont family. Um, Morningstar, which is a sort of chain ball attached to a chain whip, and that does more damage, and you can, <laughs> you know, eventually do that. But for the most part, you're just mastering the kind of core mechanics of jumping, dodging. Um, sometimes you get to choose between um, the various different sort of sub weapons, like a knife versus an axe versus, and that's like a you know thing that you can use separately from the whip. But weren't a lot of choices. It was really about here's what you got. You're gonna you're gonna play this and you're gonna die a bunch of times until you're gonna get really right. good at it. I mean, the original Castlevania games only really lasted about maybe four or six hours, uh, but mm-hmm. they were hard enough that you were going to play it over and over and over again until you basically had muscle memory or just learned to yeah. get through every single bit um, of those games. And it's interesting the way that those older games sort of focusing on the Belmonts versus the newer games that kind of add Alucard and other characters and you know newer takes on the Belmonts, the show kind of becomes a way to reflect on um, those two characters and how they're different, but then how those differences in the characters is reflected through the gameplay. Um, and in the original, in the Symphony of the Night, uh, I believe once you beat it once all the way through with the complete good ending, 
uh, you could go back through the original game and play as Richter. And to, to have those kind of the Richter Belmont versus Alucard, the kind of different sort of play styles. Um, I think one didn't really have the emphasis on leveling up versus whereas the other did. Um, just sort of demonstrates that kind of fluctuation. And that interesting point, which I've brought up a number of times before about the sort of one common kind of direction or approach to something um uh, from different uh, or one particular common level or stage, but approach to from different characters uh, gets me back to my original reference with that, which is Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Uh, We're back. We wrapped it back around. <laughs> we made it. A <laughs> uh, little bit, little bit of meandering, but I'm here. Uh, no, it's good. Before so, we before we talk about Smash, can I ask you a question about um about the 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 the, the series and the game and like the mm-hmm. Castlevania sort of history? I've never and I really think Kyle, have you ever played Castlevania or any of those? I haven't. Or, no. Or Metroid either? Because I have not either. Oh wow! Yeah, not really. I've played some Metroid, but like I missed out on the kind of classic like PlayStation era yeah. Metroidvania games. That's I where. Was that's a Nintendo where. Nintendo boy. Yeah. Right. Same. Like yeah. I. I mean, I. I just. Ne- I totally missed that. That series. So. One note: We should totally do a Metroidvania scholarship play episode sometime. Yeah, yes, but please. My question for you, my, yeah, absolutely. My question for you, though, Terrell, is, and this is like a big and kind of weird and maybe maybe almost unhelpful question, but I, I'm curious if you see, um, you described sort of different like ludic ways of moving through through the earlier Castlevania games versus like the later ones where it's like mm-hmm. the first one is just like kind of straightforward you get your different weapons you master them you're the, the the task of the game is just to beat it you're just supposed to like hit the bad guys till they die and get to the end whereas mm-hmm. like slowly as the game of like in later iterations you start having these different perspectives and i don't know you know how important the story is in that early version of the game do you see like how do you see the show fitting into those different ways of telling those stories and is it picking up on one more than the other does it have a sort of preference for the older earlier or the later sort of Castlevania games if that if that's even a, a relevant distinction it, it's it's really weird and I have to say that I'm really interested in the um, this Castlevania Netflix series because I think that in so many different ways it's a metaphor for things that um that are a bit beyond what you would assume a Netflix series based on a video game uh to discuss. So for example, the mm-hmm. watch those first two watch that those first two hours of the first season and it's very much talking about the church in some interesting mm-hmm. ways. And the church as a kind of you know, it's fearful of 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 Lisa Dracula's wife because she has this power, but it's also about this weird sort of struggle for 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 power and influence and being the mm-hmm. sort of sole recognized authority in some interesting ways. Hmm. Um, and there's this strange parallel for how Dracula being this sort of figure who's misunderstood and that misunderstanding leads to a type of persecution. But then the Belmont family also is sort of misunderstood because, you know, for the longest time when vampires were running around, it was the Belmont family who was doing the sort of work to kind of prevent them from, from taking over, right? But mm-hmm. what's interesting, and you know, because it's the Castlevania series typically, and if you if you look just throughout all the games altogether, the Belmont family is known as the family that has been keeping track of Dracula, following through on it, making sure that Dracula does not come back to harm humans. They are vampire hunters through and through. And the show kind of reflects on that a little bit because there's this library that is basically 
Richter or Trevor, um, Trevor's the the Belmont who features most in um, the series. Uh, it's his it's his sake, right? Like he it's he he owns all of this. His family sort of like grew up to or raised him sort of like, hey, this is our this is our this is our heritage. Take care of it, so mm-hmm. on and so forth. Mm-hmm. And he discovers it, and he's going through, and he's seeing like, oh wait, like this is this is the sort of there's a weird sub weapon that's technically a boomerang, but it's a cross. Uh, Mm -hmm. So you throw this cross and it kind of does this boomerang thing. And then it sort of talks about that, talks about how they went through these powers. They went through these like, like weird experimental practices to produce holy water to take out vampires in this, you know, very kind of fast iteration. Um, And it talks about the various spells that one can use to defeat Dracula. So there's Mm -hmm. this weird way in which there's this kind of history and legacy of people studying and perfecting and really getting on top of trying to basically beat vampires. But then there's Mm -hmm. Alucard who's walking through and he's, there's a weird moment where, you know, a separate character who's with them sort of says, isn't this all really amazing? Like, can't you, you have to admit that this is really cool. And Alucard just kind of looks at them and is like, yeah, this is basically a giant library designed to commit genocide against my people. Sweet. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so he's just like a little like, eh, and we don't really forgive me if I don't share your enthusiasm. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, and we never really get much development of Alucard in the same way, but then there's all these like outrageous fight scenes where he's using magic in this cool way. He's transforming into a wolf and then he casts like a spell that lets his sword fight by itself. So he's like out here, like biting necks of like vampires, but his sword's doing all this really weird stuff. And so to a certain degree, there's a level of like flash. There's like, wow, you've got a lot of really cool stuff. But the mm-hmm. Belmonts have been here studying and, like, perfecting and training and working hard. You've just sort of, like, kind of oddly inherited all of your power. But the Belmonts have, like, grinded to get their stuff. Like, this is this has been generations. <laughs> they, put it, they put in work. Right. So there's, like, a weird commentary about how I think one of the things that, um, you know, George Weidman in a video that he does about Symphony of the Night mentions this. Symphony of the Night is sometimes a bit too easy because of the level up mechanic. So if something's really beating your behind early on, you level up and eventually, oh, you used to kill me in two strikes. Now I'm killing you in one. Uh, mm-hmm. So like it doesn't require the same thing that Castlevania used to require, which is, okay, this is an enemy that can do a lot of damage. I have to make a science out of how to defeat that enemy. Because I eventually learn how move, learn how I got to jump, you know, right. get, you know, get the timing right, all that stuff. The exactly. RPG mechanics were overpowered. Right. But then there's also the spells. And one of the things that, you know, is sort of my kind of main or go-to strategy is there's a spell that takes up a decent amount of magic power. Um, I think it basically drains the entirety of your mana bar at the beginning of the game. But what it essentially does is it's called Soul Steel. And you use it on the screen and everything that's on the sort of visual parameter of the screen for like three and a half seconds every half second gets drained for eight health. You could be getting your ass handed to you, and then all of a sudden, now you've got full health, and you right. can go just do whatever. Um, yeah, yeah. And the fact that that's just kind of like, here you go, rather than having to do the hard work that the Belmonts have to do in order to beat something mm-hmm. is right. is telling. Is telling. Right. And, it's interesting, though. I mean, I don't want to spoil the series, but it's interesting. The game does, or the show doesn't really speak to that, but you can almost kind of see it that, like, wow, Alucard's able to dispatch stuff really quickly, and he seems just kind of moving through this world like it's nothing. But the rest of mm-hmm. us are 
really kind of dragging along. So. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. That's uh, well. I I really like that reading of of how they sort of line up in that way. That's interesting. I really want to check that out now, and we should definitely do a, a Metroidvania. Yeah. 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 Cool. <laughs> well, that that was cool. Um, Terrell, why don't you? Why don't you uh, <laughs> do, do you have a question? Does anybody have a question? Oh, oh, Kyle. <laughs> yeah. What's in your system? Oh, hey, thanks. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to figure this out eventually, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's just it's our first it's our first podcast so yep, you know just ever. take it easy on us. Since, <laughs> since the portal um since the well thought out portal skit um <laughs> thanks thanks kyle i really appreciate that you're welcome uh yeah th- thanks thanks guys um yeah so obviously i've been playing a lot of heat signature i was similar to you terrell i recently purchased red dead redemption 2 i also mm. purchased uh, assassin's creed odyssey and Ooh. I have not played either of them since <laughs> I bought them. Uh, I don't know if it's something like spatial in that the PlayStation is downstairs and my computer is upstairs. But whenever I have like a couple free hours and I am like, oh, I'll play play some video games. I almost always go towards go to the computer. Um, yeah, nah, it's the through, same way. Yeah, yeah my right, PlayStation's yeah. in my living room and it's like, nah, nah, it's too much work. I'm in my bed right now. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, and so just going through my, I've been going through my recently played on uh, Steam, just kind of be like, what have I been playing? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> so I got the classic Stardew Valley. It's a phenomenal game. Everyone should play it. I have Heat <laughs> Signature, Faster Than Light, all kind of games that are like, um, you don't have to put like 100% of your brain space into, just kind of right. like chill, relaxing games. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Divinity Original Sin 2, it, I've talked about this on the podcast before, but like, Y'all, everyone should play Divinity Original Sin 2. It's probably the 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 most complex, maybe maybe that's not a good word, like the biggest game I've ever played, probably. Huh. Like, I have 280 hours in it, and I like still, there's so much stuff that I haven't done. And like, I still wow. don't remember. Um, it's a great game to play, especially with friends. But uh, the game I want to talk about uh, today is um, the, the most recently played game, because I was playing it uh before we right before we started this podcast <laughs> is uh total war warhammer 2 um or kind of just the total oh. war warhammer uh franchise and i'm gonna call it total warhammer because it should be called that um mm-hmm. but uh basically if, for those of you familiar with the total war series I, I think i've talked about this in the podcast too but mm-hmm. the total war series is a kind of a mix of like elements of like civ and those kind of you know uh, massive scale games um with uh uh, real-time strategy games you know like age of empires or something like that uh kind of mushed together into one mega game and uh traditionally there's like i think 11 total war games they are historical so there's like total war uh rome total war empire about like the empire age of empires there's um total war attila there's loads of them and uh Two years ago, they released their first not-historical game, which is uh, Total War Warhammer, Total Warhammer, um, which takes place in the Warhammer universe, which is this kind of fantasy world um, that uh, is based off of a tabletop uh, model, like a model tabletop playing game that young Kyle was very obsessed with. Oh, young Kyle. (laughs) And adult Kyle is still obsessed (laughs) with. Um... And yeah, and so it's kind of sparked some interesting things for me. And so as some thoughts as I've been playing over 400 hours in both Total War games, (laughs) um, 
and as you know, what's in your system is kind of our place to put half processed thoughts on games we're playing. Um, yeah. I feel like this was a good time to to talk about it. So, uh, yeah, for those of you who don't know, the Warhammer universe uh, was started in 1983. Um, mm-hmm. The universe is kind of a blend of like mo- of like early modern Germany uh, mixed in with like the Tolkien universe uh, or, or similar writers like Michael Moorcock, who's like a really famous uh, fantasy writer from the 60s and 70s, kind of like the post Tolkien. Era, era so you know imagine there's like you know cannons and stuff like that it's like early modern the main place is essentially the holy roman empire um but there's also elves and dwarves and uh lizard men and rat people and like kind of everything you'd imagine from like your classic fantasy worlds um yeah and it's great it's really good and that existed <laughs> um <laughs> That was built Kyle in 1983. <laughs> it's really, I like it. It's really, it's really expensive. I like though. the thing that, um, yeah, that's what I've heard about. That's, that's always been a big barrier, I think. Yeah, to buy these models. Um, you also need yeah. friends to play it with, which is, you know, tough. <laughs> which is for even some more people. expensive. <laughs> and so, yeah, it kind of has existed <laughs> since 1983. It's expanded a lot since, you know, it, it's kind of started in the classic way that, you know, things like Warcraft started with. You're like, the humans are the good guys and orcs are the bad guys and that's it. And then, you know, similar with Warcraft and similar with kind of other, with fantasy writing and the fantasy genre since the 70s, it's expanded out to be like much more complex and nuanced to where like the empire, the humans like are kind of not, you know, they're not bad guys, but they're not great. And like, there are no good guys, right? Like this is a world of like everyone's degrees of badness, you know? And yeah, it's really complex and fun. It's been built on for 35 years. And so uh, Creative Assembly, who's the company that made Total War Warhammer uh, in 2016, basically just took that fantasy universe and built it into their game engine. And it works really well. It works surprisingly well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably, there's been a lot of Warhammer games in the past like 10, 15 years. And this is one of the, the very few good ones. Um, <laughs> there's been so many bad ones, guys. And I've played like all of them. And this is such a good like, way to capture the kind of like meta gaming in, in Total War, in, in Warhammer, where like you would play like campaigns where like you're moving your armies around. And then when you actually fight, you like bring them onto a table with your models and you fight them and it captures that really well. Um, and That's cool. so the, yeah. And so the thing though, that I'm kind of interested in here is that something happened in 2015, uh, in Ooh. the Warhammer universe, <laughs> okay. which is that the, uh, creators of the, the like, you know, um, uh, what are they called? Games Workshop, the owners of, of Warhammer fantasy, uh, rebooted their entire universe. So mm. basically they like, said they're like in their kind of fiction uh the apocalypse happens chaos who is like the evil force in the world uh won but then basically jesus comes for the good guys (laughs) jesus with hammers okay called sigmar (laughs) comes for the good guys and there's like this apocalyptic end times battle and the whole universe is rebooted and now there's like eight worlds and all of the old um races have been rebuilt into new races and uh some races were eliminated (laughs) a bunch of new races were added there's like steampunk dwarves who shoot fire guns off of zeppelins like it's cool as shit Uh, like it's really sick yeah Yeah, it's really sick and they added like 20 new races but they also eliminated some old ones like my boys bretonia who were essentially just like king arthur's knights um anyway so they revamped this entire universe in 2015 like released all new models all new rule books the old rule there's no new uh like media no new anything being created for that old 
universe anymore, but mm -hmm. it still exists in the Total Warhammer world, right? Mm -hmm. So Total War Warhammer, it's that old universe, the Warhammer fantasy universe, and they're ah. creating more content for this game. They released Total War Warhammer 2 in 2017. A third one is being planned uh, sometime. They're constantly releasing DLC that I'm just constantly buying of, you know, <laughs> new races, new uh, campaigns, new heroes, new lords, stuff like that, uh, new characters. And a lot of this stuff, as they've been, like, kind of working their way through the backlog of Warhammer Fantasy World, is they've kind of, like, reached a point where they're now creating new content for this old mm -hmm. universe um, that the original oh. creators, like the tabletop RPG, doesn't yeah. exist anymore, right? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like a divergent path, some sort of. Yeah, yeah. And so. An the, intellectual the, property divergent path. Yeah, I mean, they, they license it from Games Workshop, and mm -hmm. I've been reading about for Total Warhammer 3, which is, you know, they're not a release date yet, but they've been pumping them out, like, pretty quickly. So probably, my guess is, like, late 2019. Um,. They said that uh, Games Workshop gave Creative Assembly a kind of creative control over, like, what mm -hmm. factions they want to include, what uh, races they want to include, things like that. You know, you would assume they'd keep drawing from the Warhammer universe, but, like, they already have at this point, it's, like, 12 factions and, like, 50 heroes. And, like, there's so much freaking stuff in this game. They're going to—they've kind of started creating new stuff. Like, they just released a mm -hmm. DLC um, where basically you get to play as vampire pirates— it's sick. Everyone should play this game. It sounds pretty good. Yeah, it's freaking awesome. Um, <laughs> and they essentially, like, invented... Like, the Vampire Pirates, or Vampirates, as I call them, um, all existed... All these creative Kyle. Just don't, don't save them all for one episode. Pretty like, much my, own, my life. Vampirates. <laughs> Vampirates. I mean, what I'll give it to you. call them, right? Um, total, total Hammer or something? I don't know. Total Hammer. <laughs> Tor Hammer. Um, Tor, so, Tor so, Hammer. The... Quick question for you, Kyle. Yeah. Um, yeah. Many, I don't know how long ago, but I think there was a game for the 360 that was Space Marines, but Warhammer. Yeah. And I assume uh -huh. that that's like a separate like universe altogether. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So okay. Uh, it's confusing. Uh, let's just talk about Warhammer now for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> All right, guys, strap um, in for another 45 Welcome minutes. Welcome to Warhammer <laughs> Fancast. Get your Sigmars here. Get your Space Marines. Get your um, paints. Get your, yeah. your, your die get your models, models get out. Your, get your dice. I remember there used to be a store in the mall in, um, where I grew up or where I am, which is the same place. Uh, <laughs> It's a weird that way was, to say that. That was deep. Yep. There, yeah, I don't. I don't know if I want to think about what it means. Uh, where I had a bunch of friends who would go in there and paint, and yeah. I don't think it survived the uh, the yeah. post two thousand eight times, but uh, yeah. it was kind of cool. Yeah, it might have been a games workshop or just like a hobby shop. Yeah, that that's exactly carried. what it is. Games workshop. Yeah, yeah. So they're so they're the creators, and they have like you know storefronts that they sell these models in. Um, and there's one here in Cologne, out. actually. That's like still a Games Workshop place. Yeah, it's one huge of my in Germany. Lines goes right yeah. by it. Yeah. Um, the, like the, the tabletop role playing game stuff is especially big in Europe still. Um, yeah. Germany especially. Man, but I wish I could. I want to buy some of those and like paint them and like have them set up in my place so much. But one, you all <laughs> been in my place and know that I have no room. Two, I'm just not good at painting things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's an expensive hobby let me tell you that yeah yeah but uh yeah so what you're referencing terrell is a uh, warhammer forty thousand or 40k uh, uh, which okay. is that another right. games workshop property that yeah like 
it's 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 in the future, forty thousand years in the future. Um, ah, and you know, hence the forty k. Indeed, uh, it was made after. <laughs> if if Sorry. war if Warhammer Fantasy is essentially like let's take you know all these fantasy novels and books and stuff and create a universe that we can build models for forty k is let's take sci fi right and build a model right. you know a model kind of gaming for that right um, mm-hmm. so kind of similarly to like how uh dungeons and dragons was was like an attempt to bring fantasy gaming into a into like role-playing gaming or fantasy right. books into role-playing gaming this, into war uh, gaming really into war gaming yeah um, you know something like inquisitor or other kind of rpgs like sci-fi rpgs it was an attempt to bring you know sci-fi writing into gaming so yeah, yeah so that's yeah. basically that the interesting thing that you now that you bring that up about this reboot uh, that warhammer fantasy went through is called the age of sigmar reboot um, it kind of like puts the game more in line with 40k, which is you know mm. their other kind of big property. Like the the main people in 40k are called Space Marines. You've probably seen them in like memes and shit online. They're like giant armored war, like superhuman warriors um, with like giant shoulder pads and like big old heads and giant guns that fire like rockets. And like they're mm-hmm. sick. And basically, Age of Sigmar <laughs> created the Space Marines in fantasy. They're called the uh, Stormcast Eternals. And initially I was like, oh, they just made it 40K. But then I read about the faction of dwarves who fire cannons off of Zeppelins. And I'm like, okay, never mind. That's the sickest thing ever. I'm going to start, <laughs> you know, buying all these models and spending all of my <laughs> stairs money on this shit, you know? Um, but anyway, so yeah, so those are the kind of properties of, of Games Workshop. But uh, just on like the meta level, th- this kind of like cross media world yeah. that uh warhammer exists in where creative assembly kind of is gaining it seems according to you know like articles on like rock paper shotgun or kotaku like some kind of creative control over this world um and that right. kind of cross-media gaming experience where right. this was a world created to be a tabletop rpg that's then kind of reified into a gaming experience that is now mm-hmm. going to exist separate from that tabletop rpg that's moved away from it you know um, right yeah, and so for someone who spent, like, a large portion of their growing years playing, like, classic Warhammer fantasy, Total Warhammer now is kind of, like, the maybe not the last refuge, but, like, one of the last refuges to recapture that, like, universe that was, like, kind of pretty essential to my childhood. Yeah, and growing yeah, years. you grew up with. Um, yeah, and so now this video game has kind of become the last you know way to to kind of reconnect with those moments it's also a sick video game like even if you don't have nostalgia to power you um <laughs> yeah well th- so, that's really so that's, that's really that. interesting because i always like i was at um i was at the big board game expo here in germany in essen sure. called spiel like s-p-i-e-l um game exactly or play depending on on you know they they mean game but uh it it also means play um and there was a there was a whole like half of a big pavilion dedicated to all of the little miniatures and figurines and stuff like that like tons of places i didn't actually see anybody playing but there were a ton of like little um what i really loved were the little landscapes that they had set up. Yeah, yeah. Places where you could play, and then also it was clear they were selling these little pieces that you could buy to build these little, these little like, you know, there's like little trees and mountains and like grass that you could put in bushes and, and you know, little houses and all sorts yeah. of stuff. And it was like really detailed. Like, obviously, I think the, the, 
I think the detail orientedness, I, I would, maybe I should pose this in the form of a question. Hmm. Is that part of the appeal? I have to imagine it is all of yeah. the like intense detail work in the painting and it ends up looking like really cool. So yeah, it's if probably worth it. it. But <laughs> the, the, yeah, but, I think definitely the creative, like it appeals to like a lot of creative creativity. Cause like, yeah. not only can you create, you know, like the terrain and all the people, but like the characters are like heavily the like miniatures can be heavily modified because they're all made of like plastic essentially so like mm. if you just get some good clippers and some glue you can like take off some dude's arm add in like a freaking uh, chainsaw if you want you that's kind of like, cool you, you can and also the, the rules of the game at least you know like classic warhammer fantasy i haven't played age of sigmar are kind of flexible yeah. enough for you to kind of build in you know maybe you say like okay this dude with, with a chainsaw arm you know, we'll say he has, like, a power sword or, like, you know, like, a magic right. sword um, that I'll give him those stats, but we're going to call it chainsaw right. arm, right? <laughs> right, right, right. Right, um, like, it's still a fucking chainsaw dude, but yeah, uh, we'll just like it's use sick. the magic sword stuff. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, metal. Okay, here's a th- yeah. <laughs> this is the, this is, okay, one last question, because this is kind of fascinating to me in the way that, like, other things like magic are. Um, yeah. Are, is there, are there... Is there a market, or are there markets for like off-brand? I, yeah, this is weird because with like with magic cards, you can just go online to certain websites and like print them out yourself, and then you don't have to spend hundreds of dollars <laughs> to get like a, yeah. a playable deck. Like yeah. if you and your is that and your legit friends, though? I mean, I mean, do, I like, like in tournament like, rules. Like if I roll through the cut with a with with like a five deck Charizard game at the Pokemon tournament. <laughs> Who's who's really taking me seriously? Oh, you you will get yeah. I mean, you'll get disqualified. I think if you go to an official tournament. But if you're just like playing with your friends, like you can yeah. just print the cards out that you want. Yeah, like what's the some of those cards are like yeah. eighty bucks, seventy, eighty bucks. You it's can't like... you can't be my friend with that. <laughs> oh wow! You're just, okay. you're just a tool of the capitalist well, order, Terrell. Learning new things. Like, no, it's got to be official. Yo. You got to buy the so, branded one. <laughs> so look, look, look. If you talk about magic, magic has a card called Platinum Angel. Where the text of the card is literally, your opponent can't win and you can't lose. So <laughs> you out here printing how many of those and then coming to the game? No, nah, obviously, have a okay. seat. So, so you know, besides that, what's the the, the black rose? Or I just remember watching a YouTube video of a guy opening a like opening a package that he got in a mail and just weeping because he got this <laughs> like magic card that was so valuable and so rare. And I don't want to make fun of him because it really felt like a genuine moment of like pure joy in seeing this thing but also it probably cost him several hundred dollars so are there like off-brand do people use like are there Mm. certain like figures that are really expensive that like cost like 30 40 50 60 dollars and like in order to build this some kind of army you need really expensive ones and do people just say like well this ken doll stands in for the big mech that i'd like to be playing (laughs) people do that or is it like Hmm frowned on was that frowned like when you played as a kid was that frowned upon or yeah or how did that work yeah not I, I get i get what you're saying and like there definitely yeah. are those like you know if you want like uh like a mammoth if you're playing as ogres or like a giant mm-hmm. if you're playing as orcs or something yeah um yeah like like very often when i would play i'd be like yeah this like yeah i don't know <laughs> action figure like something is like is that sure right um right i feel like though not as much because too like if, if you were going to try to do something like, you know, like knockoffs, right, where, like, you can't print mm-hmm. out a model, right? Oh, with, with 3D right. printing, I guess you could print models now. Right, right? Oh, That's shit. the thing. I yeah. mean, you print a car? 
Is that, yeah, I, <laughs> you I, wouldn't I, print a Warhammer model, would you? I would, I would download a car in a second. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah, I, I'm not sure. Maybe with 3D printing, there's some different stuff. But like, yeah, Warhammer was kind of the largest, most accessible model producing company at, when I was coming mm. up in it. You know, and so like, gotcha. Maybe there are other ones now. Like, you know, I don't know the the Costco version of Warhammer, where like. <laughs> It's, like, crappy knockoffs from, you know, China or something like that that, yeah. like, are really cheap. But, like, yeah, if you wanted to, you know, have, like, an army of orcs and you're, like, okay, I could buy the, like, D&D orc models that are just, like, weirdly more expensive than huh. the Warhammer orc unit, you know? Oh, um, wow. Okay. Interesting. So, yeah, and I, I've, I played against people who would, like, you know, use, like, tokens or something like that to be, like, yeah, okay, yeah. like, I have, like, five dudes, but here's like 20 other tokens this is a, a unit of 25 and it's like yeah whatever fine like i don't care right right um but i'm not sure it, it is again very expensive so that might be smart and now i'm gonna look into now i'm just googling 3d printers <laughs> mostly <laughs> i just i've been thinking a lot about like i've one thing i've been doing a lot recently is playing more tabletop games and sort of like light role-playing games with some friends yeah. here in, in germany and um so one of the games that we played was called Inhuman Conditions. I also yeah. wrote a blog post about this on the website. I think it's a great game. And and what I did was I literally downloaded the cards that they made for this game. It's a Kickstarter game and they provide the card, like the PDFs for free, like under a Creative Commons license for you to mm. download, print out and use if you want. And so I, I like, I actually had like a lot of fun. I, I wanted to write about this in the post, but it, like it didn't really fit. Um, I had a lot of fun, like going to the print shop and like making like doing the printing out and realizing oh it it all lines up and i can just the the guy at the print shop begrudgingly showed me how to use this big metal like this big like paper cutting guillotine thing um mm -hmm. and i like slowly figured out how to use it and like i was like cutting out all the cards like real good and i was like making the good like everything looked really nice and I have everything organized into different packets and stuff like that and like building the sets of decks like the cards that you used to play that game was actually kind of fun for me and so mm. i can and and it also like not only was it fun it was also like literally free like i'm going to buy that game when i return to the states it doesn't make sense to buy it and then not bring it back to the u.s but it was really cool to be able to try that game out uh for free and like you know this is the big difference i think between something like magic or, or a game like in human conditions where you play with paper-based stuff it's quite easy to kind of print that stuff out on your own whereas you know unless 3d printers are usually still pretty expensive and they're pretty slow yeah. too so it'd be like really kind of arduous to like forge your own yeah you know fake little minions but I, but there was a, a real pleasure that i had in like building the game not, not like i was creating it but i was like literally putting it together and cutting it out i thought that was kind yeah. of fun so i can um, see the appeal i think in that i saw the appeal of painting yeah. the models and assembling your army i think it's a similar pleasure yeah. i think really quick callback i just googled it and i think the card you're talking about is the black lotus the black lotus uh, that's what it yeah. is yeah it's yeah it's one of the power nine in magic uh which is like the nine cards nine. that are banned mostly from uh tournaments but like because they're all too uh -huh. powerful and they were only right. printed in like a really small amount of time so there's like a, a set amount of them just real quick depending on condition the black lotus is valued anywhere from fifteen thousand to sixty thousand dollars Oh my god. <laughs> okay, so, so my I was underestimating by quite a bit there about yeah, how much that is. Yeah, I I've yeah, I've some friends who play magic and I, they've talked to me a lot about the power 9 and I'm like, yeah, they like sure. And like so when once you said like 
Black Lotus or Black something, I was like, oh, I'm just going to Google yeah. Power 9 and look it up. Yeah, so that's crazy. <laughs> um, that's wild. That's wild. <laughs> and, like, obviously, like, like Terrell, to your point, like, that I'm bringing the the card that says you I win and you lose. <laughs> like, that, the only situation in which you can really do these sort of, like, print and play kind of things is in, like, local, like, local social situations. Yeah, not, not like, like you, Obviously, you... Yeah. Yeah, like you can't really go out and like play against random strangers. But if you had a group of friends that you're like, hey, we'd like to play different games, and like I want to show them what magic is, but I don't want to make them all spend a hundred dollars on booster packs. But then there's a like, part of me that's just like, you know, because I'm even. I guess the analogous situation I'm thinking about is like a few years ago. I won't mention how many years ago because it was way too close to how old I am now. Um, <laughs> I got together with some friends, and we were all we said, okay, we're gonna play the original red blue and i think we had one friend who was like i really want pikachu so i'll be yellow version i was like all right tight have Mm -hmm. a great starter that like sucks later down the road um and we're also here building our teams we're getting well customized them the first 150 and then a friend's like hey can we have legendaries and i was like no (laughs) he's like really this is pokemon the card game you're talking about right no 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 this is like the the original um the red and blue oh like pokemon the video game oh yeah yeah, Yeah. yeah sure yeah and so i'm like no and he's like, come on, man, I really just want... And I'm like, if we let legendaries in the game, what's the point of, of, of just, like, why not just have your starter plus then... Mewtwo, the, the three birds. Mewtwo, Articu- Articuno, Zapdos, and Moltres. Like, and right. then one other thing that you happen to think is a tank or is, like, really powerful. Like, what is the point? Like, once you open that door, what really kind of... what Like, why, why not choose the the best optimal strategies they're in i feel like if i were to be in a friend group i would say like okay you want what card tight that's a really rare card you can print that like that's what we'll let fly not yeah. just like print right. a whole deck and you coming through with like oh <laughs> what is this strategy you mean right, my, but my, I think... six, my six mewtwo lineup isn't is cheating somehow <laughs> <laughs> see it was I, funny I, because way back in the old nintendo powers they used to have people send in their squads and their um their lineups right and they were like all right look the rule is no legendaries but we're looking for like really creative builds send us what you have send us their level send us their stats send us their move sets and then one person was like look i know you all really don't like this but i went and caught six mewtwo's put them all on my <laughs> a pokemon stadium but then gave them each like really interesting like diverse like move sets and they were like you know this is technically breaking the rules but we'll play it so kind of cool like yeah but just, you know, I don't want to play you in your six Mewtwo, especially not in the first red and blue when there was nothing to really kill a psychic Pokemon. Yeah. Nah, yeah. hard pass. Well, yeah, and, and all I mean, I mean, I think that's just like that that context where you're sending into a magazine is very different when you're just like sitting down with a group of friends where you, you play games with them regularly and you say, hey, like, go home and like look up a deck. Or, like, go home and look at one of these six decks, which we've all, like, like this list somewhere. There's, like, a list of, like, good meta decks right now. And just print one of them. And, and you know, we'll each make sure we print one of them and we can switch decks as we play. Like, basically, like, in order to avoid that, you need to be in that sort of small local situation. It can't be, like, an online thing. It can't be, like, going to meet up with strangers. Because you can't, like, set extra sort of social rules in advance. Yeah. 
but like not stacking your deck full of black lotuses and other power nine which is a really good name i want to oh, use so like good, power right? nine in like a role-playing game where you meet you have to defeat the power maybe nine we can have like that, that be like our top yeah. tier of the scholars that pay patreon is the what is it called the <laughs> you, power nine like yeah, if you donate this much nine. you become one of the power nine and in order to like enter the power nine when there's already a power nine you have to beat somebody out so <laughs> if you if you contribute fifteen thousand to sixty thousand dollars uh, a month to scholars yeah. to play Patreon, then you can become part of the Power Nine. I'm going to add that tonight for sure. Yeah. <laughs> just somewhere in that range, you know? Yeah, just anywhere between 15000 or the going price of a Black Lotus, basically. Yeah. See, before Derek so rudely left for Germany like a jerk, I had Big created jerk. a very large Dungeons & Dragons campaign that we had started playing, and there was so much cool shit in there that I can't talk about right now. Save it's it. kind of like what you're talking about right now. Save it, save it, because we are going to play that. We're going to play that when, we, when I come back, for sure. Uh, yeah, well, so I, that's good. We covered pretty much all games, from card games to board games to tabletop games to video games. We did it all. Role all games. in one big W-I-Y-S. We did it. We did it. We did it. We did it. I think that's probably going to do it for us. Um Thanks, guys, for showing up. Thank you all for listening. If you want to see more things that we're doing, you can always go to scholarsatplay.net. If you have questions or thoughts, uh, you know, send them, send them our way on Twitter, or uh, you can always send us an email at scholarsatplaypodcast at gmail.com. Um, you can follow Scholars at Play on Twitter at Scholars at Play. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at digital underscore Derek Kyle. Where can people follow you on Twitter? I'm at E underscore Kyle underscore Romero. And Terrell, what is your Twitter? Follow me at Black Socrates and uh, keep an eye out. Uh, I will have some projects uh, in the new year. Sweet. I'm excited to see those. Yeah, um, yeah me too. Want to give a thanks to Visitor for the use of their song, We Can Do It, which is our intro and outro music. And, of course, you can check out all their awesome music on their SoundCloud, which is uh, soundcloud.com slash Music, And follow them on Twitter at Music. Uh, thanks, y'all, for listening, and hopefully the next episode will not be delayed by uh, <laughs> time travel hijinks. Yep, that was the only reason it was delayed. The only reason. See you guys. Bye, guys. Be easy.